Welcome to the Kingdom Community. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on the earth. To learn more about us, please visit kingdomcommunity.global. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey there, everybody. Glenn Blakeney here, and welcome to the Kingdom Community Show. We're so glad that you've joined us, whether you're actually watching the live or watching uh, the archived version of this uh, interview with my guest today, Rama Trainer from Atlanta, Georgia, in the United States. We're going to be chatting about all things revival and reformation, fivefold ministry structuring in a way that obviously. Um, facilitates the expression of God's kingdom and advancing to the earth. And Rhema has a real passion for seeing the restoration of you know, the ecclesia of God in the sense of those assemblies, um, fivefold ministry, and just really seeing the saints equipped. And she leads what is known as Revive the Way. It's an apostolic ministry, as I said, based in Atlanta, Georgia. And in 2015, she and her husband were called outside of the traditional church expression to pioneer in a new way. Um, she's all about deliverance, preaching and teaching with the balance of the word and, and the spirit. And obviously, as we said, she's also very passionate about seeing women in ministry and uh, believes God is calling us back to the way, which is by the way, scripturally, guys, in the New Testament, if you don't know this, this is what they were called before the, the title, obviously, the tag Christians. Uh, they were followers of the way. And uh, I love that and really try to really ad adhere to that personally. Jesus, as followers of, of Jesus, is the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Obviously, no one comes to the Father except through him. And uh, we're, we're really excited about what um, God is doing around the earth in this season of reformation. And uh, we believe that there are many different ways that the kingdom of God needs to advance in terms of planting churches. They're not just the you know typical church plant, but we have to do things as uh, really the results. The end in view is reaching people, equipping people bringing people together in this new wineskin. And so it's going to be an awesome interview. Guys, please go ahead and share this video. Let people know the live. Um, we're live on Kingdom Community Television, kingdomcommunity.tv. You can watch on Roku, Amazon Fire, Google TV, Apple TV, etc. cetera, and the website. And we're also live on Facebook right now and YouTube. I encourage you guys to download the app so you can follow in the future as well. We will be uploading this video to the television channel so you can watch. And uh, very excited to have Rayma with us. We're going to jump right in. So Rayma, thank you so much for being my guest on Kingdom Community TV, the Kingdom Community Show. And so blessed to have you with us. Thanks. Yeah. Nice to be here. Nice to see you again. We've met in person recently, which was great. Yeah, really awesome to see you. And uh, Rayma was at our church at Numa Church in Melbourne, and she ministered uh, very powerfully and was really blessed by your ministry. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. So Rayma, let's just jump in and talk about 
what happened to you um, in 2015 in particular. And obviously the call to ministry, you were involved in ministry more in the kind of conventional wineskin, but what happened in 2015? Yeah. I mean, I, um, I was, I was all about, you know, mega church and, you know, I just really was, that was my flow, how I was raised up in, you know, in ministry, how I was trained, um, didn't know any kind of other church, you know, I was like, maybe they exist, but don't care. You know, I'm doing this. This is like building the kingdom. And, um, you know, I, I wasn't even necessarily the kind of person who was like, you know, I see so many things wrong that should change with the church. Like that wasn't even really my, like, I wasn't even, that wasn't me. Um, it was more that through a series of events, God took me and, and my husband um, out of a, a staff position that we were in. And, you know, we were building at the core of something for so long, which probably a lot of pastors and leaders can identify with. Um, when you build something and, you know, you're at the center of making decisions, of planning, of doing all the things, it can very easily become uh, identity. Mm. And you don't want it to be. It can very easily become just a part of who you are. You know, everything's personal. It's like, I don't like that. You're like, why? You know, because you know, because that was my idea, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of like people attacking your art or saying your kids are ugly. Oh, wow. It's like my thing, you know, I'm building this. Like if people don't like it, uh, it reflects on me, you know? And so um, it's very difficult to be objective from the inside. Hmm. And so there was a very interesting season that God took um, particularly me through um, that I did not expect. And at the time was very painful and then, and probably would relate maybe to many people and what they went through even in 2020, you know, as right. just shut down and as like everything kind of changed very rapidly and you had to adjust to this new dynamic of yourself, of your proximity to people, mm-hmm. of what your ministry looks like, like all of that changed very fast. And so right. suddenly I was at, you know, I, I went from being kind of at the center of forming what this church was to then attending like wow. very quickly. <laughs> And, um, the Holy spirit told me it cause you know, and you know, people who are in career ministry and that, right. Where it's just like, Oh, we'll call another friend and get a job at some other church. And right. they're like, people started calling, like, do you want me to help you get a different job? And I was like, wow. no, like ministry is not a job to me. Like I was called to these yeah. people. I was called to this city. I'm not leaving. Right. Right. And so I sat for a year in church for the first time, like as an adult. You know, okay. because when you go to Bible college, I went to Bible college um, in Australia, actually, at 18 years old, like oh, okay. turning 18. I moved to Australia like God spoke to me one day and I'd never thought of Australia, been there, nothing. And right. one day I walked into church and I heard the Holy Spirit tell me move to Australia. And I was like, Where wow, like, why? Who do I know there? For what reason? Like, it was like that, like, whoa, like out of nowhere. It was 20 years ago. And so I. Anyway, go to Bible college in Australia. And, um, you know, that was a great experience, um, you know, in in a lot of ways In other ways it was a little bit hard, but that was what I knew. So then I'm in, I'm in this church. I I know, you know, other connections, people are like, oh, do you want us to get you a job? So-and-so place. And I remember asking Holy spirit, you know, should we leave the church and, um, like leave this church? And, And he said, you could, you could do that. He said, but if you will bear up under this, if you will endure this season, it will be better for you. 
And so I remained for a year just observing. And it was my first time, as I, as I said, just being um, in a church environment without leading anything. Hmm. And it, it was, it definitely was a gift in disguise because when you no longer are central and you become peripheral, you have a different line of sight. And it kind of shocked me, my experience um, during that year. And it really was a gift from God to sit and to, to just experience and observe. And God started um, just shifting me over the course of that year. And it wasn't, it wasn't like out of bitterness. I wasn't mad. I wasn't, I never wanted to leave. You know, I was like, all right, cool. Can't wait to get back on staff. You know, let's figure out like, a different role, you know, diff- maybe we go plant a church in such and such country, whatever. Like, you know, it was, it, it was kind of just like, all right, we're taking a little break right now. We're taking some space, yeah. but like, I'm heading right back into the machine. Like, that's where I want to be. Right. So it was not my, you know, that's where, that's what I wanted to do. But it was like, as this year kind of started coming to a close, God was really shifting hmm. my heart. And I didn't even know to what, because hmm. I'd never seen anything else. Okay. And I never wanted anything else which I think a lot of people have been in that place for the last three years. You know, they're like, I know I don't want X, but I don't even know what Y is. And so I don't know like how to deal with the fact that I'm not like fully on board with this thing that I've like loved and built and been a part of for so long, but I don't know what the alternative is. Like, I don't don't know what else I'm supposed to do or build or, or be a part of. And so God started disentangling me from this system, from this structure that I thought, you know, surely this is building the kingdom and this is all God wants me to do. And so, you know, over the course of that year and then the years that followed, um, or or really during that year, God began to speak to, to us. I want you to plant, you know, something we're like church. We're like, but we don't, like want to plant a church. Like <laughs> we were trying to figure out like, what does this even mean? And that it was, yeah. it was during those few years before that too, that like kind of our, I would say our first introduction to fivefold ministry, like, you know, apostles, prophets, like these people exist. That was our first exposure to that. Wow. Okay. Um, you know, in 2010, 11, 12, I would say we started kind of being exposed to that kind of teaching. Cause I, I, you know, obviously they existed in the Bible, but beyond that, I've, I've never mm-hmm. really heard about it. So um, you know, I had just kind of started coming into that kind of teaching. Okay. Like, so there's apostles and prophets. That's cool. Um, maybe <laughs> they just like take the place of the pastor and now they're in charge yeah. and the pastor. <laughs> I don't know. Right. So I didn't right. have a lot of context, but in, in 2015, um, yeah, God was like, I, I'm, I'm calling you out to pioneer something different. Okay. Um, and I was like, what does that even mean? And he was like, when you, he's like, you're not going to understand it for a while. Hmm. And that was really true. And not only did I not understand, I mean, I like it. <laughs> so let me be honest. Like, it wasn't even like, I don't understand this. I was like, I don't even like this. Like, I think one time I did not attend my own church. I was meeting at my house. Like, yeah. I was like, I'm just not coming today. Like, I remember once, like we had, a, we had a, um, a launch team. Cause like, you know, we just, it was like sure. all the verbatim, like all the language that you just use. I was like, I don't know what else to call it. I was like, I don't know. We're making a launch team. Like, just come to sure. our apartment and you know right. at the time we lived in downtown new york and um everybody came to our apartment we had like a launch team i had this girl in our launch team um after about 
I don't know, six months or something, she calls me one day and she's like crying on the phone and she's like, I just don't understand what we're doing. And like, I'm on the other end of the phone, I'm crying too. I was like, I don't know either. Like, I do not know what we're doing. Like, this is so weird, isn't it? Like, and it was, you know, but it was just like, we were just trying to be obedient. And it was every, every step was very much just the unknown, you know? And when you're pioneering, that's what it is. Like you are cutting a trail, you're cutting a path that other people are gonna need later but as you are walking that path, it is confusing. It is, there's like lots of bugs. There's like stuff in your way. It's, it's like, I don't even know why I'm here. I wish that I could, you know, get out of this jungle. Mm-hmm. But as you, you know, continue and as you continue to plow and as you continue to listen to the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, wait, like this is, this is something like God is doing something that I just didn't understand. You know, I used to think that like bigger is better, you know, just growing up in my background of leadership, we were always taught, you know, like the biggest something can be the, the, the loudest, the big, you know, everything's about growth, everything, you know, hyper-focused on growth and expansion, planting and, you know, just everything we can do to grow and get bigger and expand. And one of the first words that God said to me was like small first, Mm. you know, but small things are bad. Small things are unhealthy. Small things are, you know, wow. it's everything small. Small is terrible. Like, why would anyone want anything to be small? And um, so there's a lot of reworking, a lot. Mm. I call it like a disentanglement. Um, mm. You know, now eight, almost nine years later, um, there's been quite a bit that's been shifted, you know, in my perspective, right. probably almost everything. It was like literally almost everything I thought was this is the most possible important thing. You know, it was like over the course of years, God would change that. Wow. Okay. And, you know, bring me just into a different understanding. Wow. That's interesting. So let's talk about those shifts. Um, particularly, you know, what have you learned on the journey and, you know, what have you let go of now? What have you embraced? I mean, obviously you don't believe small is bad anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, a, a big shift, truly big shift for us was, you know, letting go that like everything needed to be fast. Everything needed to be instant. Everything needed to be big. Like that really was a massive internal shift because it dealt with my heart in a really super deep way. Um, because when you grow up wanting to be in ministry, right, this this ideal that's been fed to the millennium or the millennial, you know, generation and younger, which I'm like top end of millennials. So it was like our whole generation. It was like, you're a champion. You're going to change the world. You're so amazing. You're going to do everything so great. And you know, you're going to change the nations and you're like, great. Like I must be amazing. You know? And so you have this idea and yes, like God loves us all and whatever, but like, it's not right. Like it's, it's not the right emphasis. Like we come to die. We don't come to be great. We come so that Jesus can be great. And I think growing up in, you know, the celebrity church type context, there then is this aspiration and this idea of what it means to serve God and what it means to make an impact and be influential or whatever, you know? And so for me, changing my understanding of impact and changing my understanding of truly what it means to be successful is rooted in obedience. And it's rooted in um, the continual death, honestly, 
the death of self that comes through laying down our life for Jesus. And that does not most of the time look like doing things that people are like, whoa, that's so awesome. You know, like most of the time it's hard, like as a, especially as leaders, you know, who, who are striving to the best of our ability, right. To be obedient to God and to do what he wants us to do. There's a lot of things that go on in the background of our life, like decisions we have to make, obedience that we have to submit to, like change that God is doing in us so that we can continue to carry, like the pruning, you know, that happens like constantly <laughs> like, yeah. and you're submitting to it, you know, and you're, and you're allowing all of that to change you. But like, I didn't think that that's what it was back then. I just wanted full rooms and great social media pictures and, you know, people to be like, well, you're such a great preacher. And maybe like, oh my gosh, thank you. It's all about him though. You know, like, right. I know. (laughs) It's supposed to be, then you get into it and you're like, oh, cool. So you're going to cut off everything in me that doesn't bear fruit, which is almost everything at the moment. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, Rayma, just hearing you say this, we've been, talking a lot on in this area right now emphasizing this just death to self um we're preaching on brokenness and yieldedness and surrender to christ and about him and jesus being glorified and and all of that stuff that can be we can be so you know we all have blind spots absolutely but in that culture in that space where it's just all about the big the glamorous and all of that we so miss that and when you talk about bearing fruit, um, I think it's important that we understand and even articulate right now that bearing fruit isn't obviously just having thousands of people or whatever. I mean, you mentioned the word obedience and, <laughs> and like, hey, aren't we just called to obey Jesus and leave the results up to him in that sense? But what does bearing fruit really look like in the kingdom? <laughs> For me, man, like there's had to be such a shift because I used to think that to bear fruit, it meant, yeah, bigger, better, more influence, more, 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 right? Which really can become lust almost like it, it can become greed, Um and, and really self-promotion, which is, which is at the, at the root of false leadership, mm, yeah. especially the apostolic, um, you know, and pride and all of that, that ends up bringing us into a false apostolic, but um, anyway, a different, different teaching, but with bearing fruit, it ever, so in John 15, where Jesus talks about like everything in or Jesus saying everything in me that, you know, doesn't bear fruit, he's going to cut off. Then he says everything that does bear fruit, he's also going to cut it off so that it can bear more fruit. And so the, the pruning that precedes promotion, what we consider promotion, like anytime I've had like a prophetic word, that's like really intense. Um, you know, God is going to lift you up. I'm like, Oh, here we go. You know, like about to cut everything. Because (laughs) that is how we actually can sustain Mm. the weight because to, to bear fruit, you have to have the authority, you have to have the inner infrastructure yeah. to actually bear up under the weight. Right. You know, my, my neighbor had a, um, a peach tree at a, a house I used to live in um, 
couple of years ago and they never pruned it. It just grew. And mm. the problem when you don't prune a fruit tree is that in its first season, it will bear too much fruit. And so what mm. happened to the tree was it literally just broke half of the tree just completely split wow. in half because wow. it, it had too much fruit and not a large enough tree wow. to actually sustain the fruit. And so it's just this picture of what uh, allowing God to actually be in charge, which is where the obedience comes in and where disconnecting ourselves from this idea that more, 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 more is actually best Hmm. And like really allowing God to control the measure, controlling, like allowing God, like in that obedience, we're saying, Hey, like, if you don't want to give me more right now, I'm content in the place that I am because I want the authority that comes from obedience. I don't just want like an outward appearance of fruit, Mm -hmm. right? I actually want fruit that will remain. Yeah. And there's a difference between something that just springs up, right? Even with the seeds, the parable of the sower, when Jesus is talking about the seeds of the kingdom that are thrown, you know, on the different soil and how it says even the seed that's thrown on, um, I believe it's the rocky soil, it springs up. But then what happens? It immediately dies because it doesn't actually have the soil. So it's not enough to just be able to spring up. It's not enough to be like, whoa, you know, and just be able to throw something big out there. But we have to remain and the remaining comes from intimacy hmm. with God. It comes from true authority that only comes through a life of obedience and hmm. suffering. Yeah. Which is, oh yeah, you know, in, in the West, we're like suffering. What? Like, no, like love God, love people. Like God's here to make my life amazing and blessed to be a blessing. And it's like, mm, yeah. that's a Western thing. That's not a biblical thing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Paul said, I want to know him, the power of his resurrection. Most preachers in the West stop right there. He said, in sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. I mean, we have to come to that place. And we were called to be conformed to the likeness of Christ. And for me, my um, just the way I perceive fruitfulness is if you look at a tree and it bears fruit, yeah. obviously, what is that fruit? Well, it's an external manifestation of the inward life. And I think when we're bearing his fruit, it's the very life of Christ is, is being manifested wherever we go. And I mean, Paul talked about the fragrance of his life being released. And to some, it's a fragrance of life, right? And to others, fragrance of death. And when we come to that place where we're truly yeah. on that place of, you know, the word witness means martyr, and, and we're dead, then he's able to use us, that kernel of, you know, that, of grain that falls to the ground, unless it dies, it won't bear fruit. And one of the things that I'm, I'm concerned about right now, Raymond, love for you to speak into this, is it almost seems, and, and this is just, it's kind of like, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We want to do what the Lord has called us to do in terms of pushing forward with reformation, particularly the fivefold. Um, we just had a fivefold summit here. First time really didn't advertise it had hundreds of senior leaders, a lot of guys, men, women who don't necessarily know, like, are they apostolic? Am I prophetic? Whatever. But they're just 
hungry. They're wanting more. And here's the danger in that. Uh, as important as it is to embrace the five fall, is that we just swap a title for another title. Um, okay, so I'm no longer a pastor. Now I am an apostle, you know, and, and you see this in certain places in the world where titles are especially big. You can call me apostle now. You can, you know, here's my business card or whatever. And so it becomes kind of like the new thing. But now we're moving into a season where fivefold preaching about kingdom, all of that stuff is becomes kind of like the new thing. It's vogue. Mm -hmm. And yet um, the heart hasn't changed. The, the transformation, that inward transformation, as you said, um, being like becoming more like Christ. That's, those are my words. But in terms of this reformation that we're in right now, which is a massive reformation, I think post COVID, wow, we're really moving into this. Where are we going? What do we got to watch out for? You know, what are some of the pitfalls? And you know, obviously I've just touched on one thing here, but yeah. Could you just speak into that? Yeah, I can, I can speak into that from a lot of directions. I don't even know what I'll say right now. Cause there's like yeah. so many different, like ways. Sure, just go for it. it. <laughs> but um, hmm. even, even the love of titles is, is strange. Um, mm. But it really does come out of the need for identity and affirmation in what we do. Now I'm, I'm somebody who actually like, I don't, I don't hate titles. I don't think they're wrong in the sure. sense of like understanding who people are. I think there's two different, there's two different, um, you know, things about titles. So I'm an apostle, like that's a, that's a fact, like called by Jesus confirmed by others. You know what I mean? Like this is a, this is a fact about my assignment, the function that God has called me to, to do as a, in, in the ministry, in the body. Right. But, but I'm not like, well, you have to call me that because if you don't, then, you know, it's disrespectful. You're dishonoring, whatever, because I think people love titles on one hand because it gives them a sense of superiority in the body and they don't understand the actual call to fivefold ministry is the call to die, um, not to be important and recognized and celebrated everywhere and all of that kind of stuff. It's actually the call of death. It's the participation in Christ. But then the, on the other hand, people who say, well, titles are all dumb and we're just all Kings and priests. And it's like, well, that's also fake. That's, or that's also not, not correct because yep. he, when you are a fivefold leader, called by Jesus, chosen by Jesus, you know, not the same as spiritual gifts. Most people would probably know that who are watching, but if you are called to the assignment, which yes, all of our identity is in sonship. Our identity is not in our function within the body, which many people, their function is most people, their function would not be fivefold ministry. But all of us have the same um, identity, you know, which is to be a son, to be a daughter, to be, you know, in Christ. But you know, outside of that, we have, um, we have a calling, right. And some of us are called to, to fivefold, yeah. um, within that, I was going to say something that was really good. And then my, my, my computer blinked and I was like, what just happened? Like <laughs> he's trying to get a hold of me on some app and I didn't have it off. Um, I'm talking about the, oh, oh God, I got it. So we're Kings and priests, sonship. That's our identity. 
our function, our assignment is fivefold. So we can't place our identity in our assignment, but because the fivefold ministry imparts who they are, yes, there is a purity and a purification that is so crushing. <laughs> and that's what I mean about the death that if you don't go through that, you will, mm. you will end up false because mm. we have to die in order that Christ would be wow. alive in us yeah. because we're representing one of the fivefold, you know, manifestation of the leadership of Christ mm. together. We represent the fullness of leadership within the yeah. body. And, you know, there's a reason that Jesus, you know, passes that out to various people that they would be interdependent and sure. reflect, yeah. you know, that, uh, that picture of his leadership. Right. But, you know, for people who just throw away titles, it's like, well, no, the function is important because the body actually needs to understand yeah. what you are imparting. And Absolutely. so it makes sense, you know, to understand, yes, that person is a prophet, that person is an evangelist, that person is apostle, that person is pastor, because I understand that what you carry, I need, and I need to receive that. And not just from one, there's not one apostle I will forever receive from one prophet that I'll forever receive there. You know, there's a diversity in the body that we, we need that impartation. And by impartation, I don't mean somebody, you know, lays hands on you when you come up. Yes, that's a form of spiritual transfer, but impartation, meaning the life transfer, Yeah, you know, yeah, that we're receiving much. from people's ministry that we're receiving from their life because we need something that they carry in order that we would mature, hmm. you know? And so, so that impartation is valuable. And so for me titles, you know, it's like, well, I want the impartation. I want to understand who you are. And I honor people, you know, but I don't go around calling everybody like apostle so-and-so and prophet sure. so-and-so. But, you know, it's a, it's a weird line for me when people are obsessed with it and they're like, well, you yeah. have to call me that. And I'm like, no, I don't. No. Like, no. there's something in you that's off. If like, that's so right. important to you, you want to ask yourself, where is your identity? Are you a son? <laughs> right. No, so good. Yeah. I, and I feel the same way. And, you know, I mean, one of the things I believe scripture teaches it doesn't use the title like Apostle Paul. It says Paul and Apostle, and it's all lowercase. But obviously, we need to recognize and identify, affirm, and value the various um, fivefold offices and expressions of grace. And and if, like you said, those who are kind of like, oh yeah, we're all kings and priests, and you know, or or even we're all fivefold. Uh, as well too i hear that sometimes and uh, yeah. obviously that's not true scripturally and um we we need to to recognize that but on the other hand if it's tied to your identity and you know you're lording it over people based on that like hey i'm superior wow what a what a really despicable thing in in terms of uh in our heart god help us not to be like that um, very important. A lot of the shifting that we're seeing is more external uh, names, branding, that type of thing, titles, as you said. But in terms of what the Lord is doing, you know, right now in, I, I like the term remnant. I think it's a good term in, because what it represents is really the, what's been preserved from the original yeah. and what still remains from the original. So, if we're talking about remnant in the sense of what God is restoring us back to the original, 
just speak into that, please. What is happening? And tell us about some of the things that you're seeing as you travel to the nations and in terms of what is being built again in this season. Yeah, you know, I think um, one of the main scriptures that God has been, you know, speaking and and uh, just releasing in this season, and a lot of people be like, "Oh my gosh, God's been speaking to me about that scripture too." Has been um, Jeremiah six sixteen, mm. which says, "You know, stand at the ancient ways or the mm. ancient paths and look." Yep. Um, and it's or stand at the ways and look. Ask yeah. for the ancient paths. Yeah. And, and there will, and, and there, it will, there'll be peace or it, you'll have peace in your souls. And then it says, but we will not. Um, and so there's this picture in that ask for the ancient paths. And when it, when it refers to ancient, it's the word Olam. And, and that word actually means the forever enduring, the eternally existent, the, you know, the perpetual path. So it's, it's talking about the path that was and will remain. And so a lot of where we've been at is particularly in the Western church, which I could go off for two hours about it and I won't, but you know, where we have landed is not the ancient way. <laughs> it's not the perpetually existent eternally. Like that's not where we're at in most cases. Um, you know, we have evolved into something that looks incredibly different than the original blueprint of ecclesia and um what you know the church jesus planted if you will you know right. when he ascended and and kind of gave those blueprints to the early apostles and so a lot of what my heart and ministry is about is about restoring the way and what that means to me is not it's not about let's read acts and we have to do everything exactly the same yeah because immediately our minds go to, okay, um, good. Like our ministry is called Revive the Way, right? So our minds go to, okay, great. So um, what is the new way? Is it G12? Is it megachurch? Is it the, like, what's the new way? What do we need? What do we need to do now? What do we change so we can grow? Right. Which is usually what we actually mean because we want to expand our influence. Wow. <laughs> So what's the new way? What's the new church planting growth strategy, blah, blah, blah. And oh, I could go off right now about for third John and Diotrephus and the one who loved to be preeminent. But I have a whole word about that on my YouTube that um, okay. it was a prophetic warning actually wow. um, regarding the Western church. And it's um, it's on my YouTube. So go there if you want to see it. Um, but my YouTube's just my name. Rama trainer. Um, okay. and it's dealing with Diotrephus, but it's, it's a prophetic warning out of, um, third John, but, um, yeah, that God is basically, you know, dealing with the church of the West and the table that we are sitting at. Um, you know, are you sitting at a chess table of strategy or are you sitting at the table of the Lord? Because they do not coexist. Hmm. And oftentimes when we think about, okay, what's the way, what's, What's a new thing? Like I said, we're thinking strategy. We're thinking growth. We're thinking right. models even. Yeah. yeah. What's the new model? And when the followers, the early followers of Christ were called followers of the way, mm -hmm. 
of course, there were things that they did. There were ways that they behaved. There were, you know, there's different ways. But truly what that means is Jesus himself. He is the way. Amen. It's not that we are trying to figure out, tell me a strategy so I can be successful at church planting. It's who is the way and have we returned to him? Because lordship is such a massive issue right now in the right. body. Come on. yeah. Like we don't understand Jesus as Lord. Mm-hmm. We love Jesus as savior. Mm-hmm. We love Jesus as, you know, like the one who blesses us and, you know, right. does all the good things. But we don't understand the lordship of Christ and the fear of the Lord. Yeah. And there's a returning to death. There's a returning to the death that brings life, but we can't enter the life of Christ without the death. Mm-hmm. And so he's bringing us back to this understanding mm. of the way, meaning yeah. death, meaning yeah. repentance, meaning an entry to the kingdom of God that wow. can cost you anything or everything. Very good. Yeah. And you have such a conviction of the worth of Christ that there is no price yeah. that is too much. There is no fear yeah. of death. There is no fear of loss. Wow. You know, and this is why God is stripping us of all this stuff that's made us feel really secure and really happy and really great. And he's bringing us into a place of death. And it's not to hurt us. He's pruning the church, but it's wow. the most severe pruning we've ever experienced in our lifetime wow that he is cutting off the things that do not bear fruit so that we can have fruit that will remain you know Mm -hmm. god is wanting to bring a harvest but unfortunately he does not want to pour that harvest into the nets that will break Mm -hmm. because he wants to pour the harvest into the nets that will hold right and so god is dealing right now like the new wine skin right the you can't pour the old wine, Mark. Um, is it two twenty-two or Mark twenty-two? Um, but you can't, or it's Mark two twenty-one and twenty-two, where it talks about the the cloth, right? Which yeah. I have a, another prophetic word about this that um, that I released maybe two weeks ago. That was about the tearing. Okay. And so that's also on my YouTube, but um, it's about the tearing that's coming. Hmm. And I saw God. I saw God take His hands and tear a piece of fabric in half. And he began to, you know, share about the coming pressure, like soon. Yeah. Like the, 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 what we've been through already was nothing. Mm. It was the first, it was the first of things that are coming, but it was the first thing to shake the church and to wake us up to how shakable we are. Yeah. And so now we understand how shakable we are. And we have a choice. Are we going to go deep or are we going to try to reinstate the shakable things? Hmm. And so he's calling us into an unshakability, but that's only found in Christ. Yeah. And like, what is, what is the purpose of fivefold ministry even in the first place? Because the purpose of fivefold, according to Ephesians four is two things to bring the body into oneness Mm-hmm. unity of the, the faith and the son, right? To bring the body into oneness and to bring us into completeness, 
the the union of Christ, the picture of Christ, the the, the mature son on the earth. So sure. we have these two assignments as leaders in the body. And mm -hmm. how can we lead the body into revelation that we don't even have and live in? Yeah. And so he's bringing all of the leaders, honestly, through refining fire. Totally. Yeah. Because he's wanting us to embody the message. Again, like you can't, you can't impart something that you aren't. It's right. even, it's even greater than I can't impart something I don't carry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. with like a spiritual gift or something like that. But if yes. you're walking in a five-fold ministry, you can't impart something that you're not. Mm -hmm. And so you live it like God brings you through it so that it's in you. And so that you can bring the body into it. Yeah. That's impartation. Yeah. That through connection wow. with our leadership connection with our life, we are bringing the saints into that same revelation and into that same embodiment. Yeah. So, so that they can be one so that they can grow. <laughs> wow. So good. And, you know, you just hit on some, well, you hit everything you said. It was very profound and very prophetic in the sense of it's restoring, you know, and releasing what the Lord is saying to his church in this time. I really believe that the shaking is coming. There's things prophetically the Lord showed me years ago that I released. One of the things he, he showed me was I was speaking somewhere at a conference and, you know, there's a lot of people, a lot of hype and hoopla. And I was grieved because I felt like there was no anointing. There was no purity. And I said, Lord, I, I just said, God, this isn't right. Your church has to be cleansed. Your church and your leaders have to, you know, be humbled and, and repent. And he showed me the scripture in John 10. He said, when the wolf comes, the hireling flees. And I knew what he was saying. And I'm talking like 15 years ago, maybe. And he said, there's coming a time, he said, where it, there's going to be a lot of shaking and the hirelings aren't going to be able to stand. And those who are in it for a job, those who are in it for themselves in whatever way, which selfish ambition really is the root of all evil, according to James 3.16 in particular. And we come to that place right now, as you said, just the beginning of the shaking, the more is coming, you know. We had a word here recently um, about that shaking and even more things. Mm -hmm. And and I know that we're in that season and God is really calling his church back to that place of lordship. So significant. And that is a false dichotomy that Jesus can be your savior without him being your Lord. That's right. I'll just say it. I mean, Lord says in, in Acts 2 that he made Jesus both to be Lord and Christ, you know, mm -hmm. the Father did. And and so when we talk about the church coming into the fullness of the stature of Christ, the mature son, I love that language. You know, in the Greek, just for our listeners, there's two words. There's technon and there's weos. Weos is the mature son when Jesus uh, was called by the father. This is my beloved son. He was now referred to a weos, a mature son. Mm -hmm. And we're called to that place to be mature. And so equipping, bringing the body there. And I love that because you're not just talking about, oh, well, we need to have the fivefold um, reinstated and restored. No. And you also hit on the importance of who we are, not just the gifts we have, 
about who we are. I'm, I'm assuming mm -hmm. you're, you're speaking about in terms of our um, surrender, our maturity and, and who we are in Christ um, is just anything else you want to just contribute to that before we jump into the next question. Like, go ahead, Raymond. Anything else you just want to say about that? I don't know. There's like, <laughs> I could go so many directions. Um, was there anything in particular that you wanted me to expand on? Because that'll help me choose a, a way, a path. Sure. So let's talk about what you, the Lord has been saying to you and actually what you've been doing to you know, bring the body into that oneness, the unity of the faith and the fullness of the stature of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a part of like, for us, it's twofold. Um, you know, God told us back, you know, in 2015 that, um, or in late 2015, early 2016 in our process that, um, he wanted us to begin starting, you know, churches and homes. Okay. That was so foreign to us. We had never even been to a church in a home. We didn't even know what does that mean? Is that a connect group? Like, I have no idea. And so like, as God started teaching us about the local assembly um, and, you know, I, I could break this down. I have a lot of classes and things like that, that okay. I really go like a lot deeper. You know, I have a class on fivefold ministry that I've been um, teaching that is probably nine hours of content just about like this kind of topic. So like, it's, it's hard to fit it all in, but, um, primarily, you know, it's twofold what we're doing with planting, um, you know, house churches, but also planting, um, kingdom hubs or fivefold hubs, um, where, or apostolic hubs, it's like different names, doesn't matter, but same right. concept, um, right. which essentially, you know, the local assembly, which is what I would call it. And there's, there's a reason why I particularly, I know not everybody does, but there's a reason why I've come to a pretty strong stance that in this season, God is clarifying um, a couple different expressions that still make up the ecclesia. Like we are the people of God, but how we gather and function, I believe is shifting into a different kind of rhythm and flow. Um, there's a few reasons for that, that I won't get into. Some of them are actually practical and have to do with the shaking, but other of it are actually biblical and have to do with just as Jesus genuinely becomes, you know, central to the church as our values change around, you know, what we're actually producing and the fruit that's coming from what we do, our actions shift. What we do changes because certain things work better than other things. It, it's, it, it's actually logical in some senses, you know? So when it comes to intimacy and cultivating spiritual formation, you know, cause we love to talk about discipleship, right. um, you know, everyone in the church is like discipleship, but then tell everybody define it and like, see how you go. Because Absolutely. this is like, Absolutely. <laughs> you're going to get, you know, 10 different versions of even what right. discipleship even means and what the results should be and how you do it and everything else. Yeah. And so for me, discipleship, you know, I went on a pretty long journey, maybe over the course of two or three years, mm -hmm. trying to understand from God, what does it mean to make disciples? How do we make disciples? And out of that kind of 
train of, you know, revelation and different encounters and things, it was like, all right, Mm -hmm. there is spiritual formation that needs to take place. And there is equipping into maturity that needs to take place. Yeah. We all know, especially in the charismatic world, which would probably be most viewers to this program, that currently within the charismatic circles, you've got a lot of people who are over-equipped and underformed. They know how to prophesy paint off the walls, but don't even read the Bible. They know how to, you know, run out and heal the sick and power evangelism, but they don't actually even know how to do relationships with people. And so there's basic things that have been lost in formation that, you know, the evangelicals really nail, you know, this side of it, with like with spiritual formation, people will be like listening to scripture on tape and they'll be like reciting. They know it all by heart. They're going to Sunday school and they're like learning all this stuff and they've got, you know, emotional health and all this stuff, but it's like, like we need it all, but spiritual formation, there's a context where spiritual formation is successful and it's not a revolving door of people coming in and out of your life of no consistency of no intimacy. There has to actually be safety in order for people to expose themselves in order for people to be vulnerable in order for there to be intimacy there has to be consistency and safety right and then you have intimate environments where people are being are are living in the truth and they're coming into the light and then there's transformation that begins to take place in their lives it's spiritual formation over time where people are being formed into the character of christ that doesn't happen at a conference that doesn't happen when, you know, we're all, oh, like I'm into it. Like I'm all right. about like, whoa, 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 power, fire, all of it. Right. But I'm sorry. Like the pot, the power and the fire is not going to make you read your Bible and learn how to develop a prayer life and learn how to do relationship and learn how to be consistent and learn how to turn up. And like, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things have to happen long-term in consistent relationships where there's intimacy. Yeah. And so spiritual formation is really, really key. But then we can't just be spiritually formed and become mature in, in, you know, the basics. We also need equipping and equipping is really in that fivefold expression. One of the, you know, the way that fivefold expresses their leadership is through equipping. Well, we have three ways we express, but anyway, Take my class if you want to know the three ways. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, that's okay. Good. Of the ways that we express, you know, our our leadership in the body is through equipping the body, raising them up with tools, right? We teach to do, where yeah. spiritual formation really is centered around being. It's who you be. Where when you come into, you know, apostolic bifold environments, you're going to be taught how to do. Like you're going to go, you're going to be on mission. But in order to be on mission, we have to be functional first. And we need to actually understand like the foundation of who we are as believers mm. is not that it's both. And, but there's a sequence of things. You don't teach a, a five-year-old how to um, drive a car. It's kind of stupid, right? right? <laughs> but if you're 20 and you still don't know how to drive a car, that's also like kind of stupid. So, you know, it's more about like when and how and, and where and, who does what? And it's like, these are the kinds of questions that have to be asked around why we gather, who we gather with, 
where we gather, what is primary, what is secondary, what is essential, what has become peripheral. Like, like there's big, big, big questions that are actually so much deeper than often I see people asking because usually we want to ask questions that are still within the box we understand. Yeah. And we want to shift things within our box because we think that that's, well, it is easiest. It's not, we think it's easiest. It's easiest. It's right. easiest to stay in the mode that we understand and to just, how can we best accomplish ABC? Mm. But I feel like in this season, God is actually confronting a lot of those boxes. And he's saying, no, I'm not asking you to shift the way you're doing this. I'm asking you to shift everything. Mm. And that is reformation. That's when you're in a time of reformation. Okay. When God is saying, no, the box itself has to go. Wow. Because there's deeper things that have to be uprooted in the foundation of the church. Hmm. And wow. so I believe the church is shifting into, you know, a local assembly type of expression where believers are doing life. It's the place of fellowship. It's the yeah. place of personal transformation of long-term relationships of, you know, becoming like Christ sanctification. Yeah. But then these hubs, which, you know, being at NUMA, even it was like such a, to me, it was such an expression of a hub, right. you know, a place where the fivefold is operating a place where people are encountering the presence, the power, the spirit of God, you know, training, equipping is happening all the time. Like, yeah. you know, that is, you know, part of what I see God raising up around the earth are hubs. But the thing that I think is going to shift a lot in the coming days is that the hub and the local assembly are actually the same thing. I think that God is actually bringing distinction in those things so that, you know, people within the body, the saints, you know, can actually focus on discipleship Right. because in scripture, when you read about, um, you know, the way that the early church functioned, which I won't go into too much. If you want to know about that again, you can take my class, but um, you know, in first Timothy three, for example, you know, you have um, leaders in the body who can shepherd and lead within the body. Yeah. Like even our whole pastoral paradigm is totally upside down. It's nowhere in scripture. Mm. The, the pastoral paradigm that like the Western church is functioning in. Sure. You know, and so beyond that, though, when you have this hub expression, you've got leaders who are co-laboring together according to the sphere that God's given them, which isn't about a brand. It's right. about authority that's given by Jesus. In the old wineskin, man appoints. In the new wineskin, man recognizes and honors. Right. Absolutely. And that doesn't mean that like, you know, people just self-appoint themselves as something and everybody just has to like honor them because they said they're that. Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. And I can't, I don't even have time to say what I am saying fully. But the point is that there's a different way of co-laboring together in the spaces and the places where God's called us mm. to be. And so as we co-labor together in regions and in nations, we actually see the ecclesia built up into that mature son. And that, that's the, that is the role of the fivefold to equip, to mature, to train. Yeah. And so when you're a fivefold leader, your eyes are not so much on like this group of people to shepherd. Your eyes are on the region. Your eyes are on the kingdoms of the world becoming the kingdoms of, of God or the yeah. kingdom of God, you know? And so that is the, the intention that you are serving the ecclesia, no matter what church denomination name that they belong to. Right. 
you know, and so that's why the, the emphasis on training and equipping is really important, you know, in the apostolic prophetic, um, you know, and, ugh, I could go, I could go a lot deeper than that. I won't, but anyway, I think that was kind of enough. Yeah. No, very good. Thank you. And you know what? I uh, just want to make one comment and then we're going to open up for Q and a just take maybe two or three questions you guys have a question that's related to this topic, please keep it <laughs> that's related. related to this topic. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a real stickler for that. So if you can't go ahead and type it in the chat and we will do our best to answer it. I'll actually defer to Raymond to do that. But um, in terms of equipping, you know, one of the, the great truths of equipping, and I'm speaking this to everyone who's listening, watching is when the Bible uses that word that's translated equipping in Ephesians 4, verse 12, and then you break it down and look at the other app, the other, you know, the origin, Katartid's Mos versus Katartid's Zo. Katartid's one of the ways it's used is in Luke 640, where it says the student or the disciple is not above the teacher, but when the disciple has been fully trained that's what one translation says that's where cutter tizo equipped he'll be like his teacher so obviously that maturation is not only can we you know heal the sick cast out demons like jesus did but we'll be like him in terms of character and and everything in us and that's so important and I love what you're hitting on here with community, family, all of that. That's what the church is, first and foremost, is family. And we grow in that community where all the one anothering's happening. The Obviously, the fivefold is active as well. And that's a huge part of what we advocate and, uh, and what we're seeing even here at NUMA. Um, let's just look at, see if, first of all, any questions, guys, go ahead. Uh, just Type it in the chat, and we'll do our best to try to address that. If not, um, okay, while we're waiting, Rayma, you mentioned your classes, courses. Um, yeah, how do people connect with you if they're interested? Yeah, I have um, on my website would probably be the best way. I have, I've got links to um, a couple courses. I did a course about um, manifestations, so physical okay. manifestations, like the theology of that which people found pretty interesting. Um, it's like a three, I think it's like just three sessions. It's a pretty simple course, but um, it was awesome. People like really were able to overcome theological issues with, you know, the shaking and the wind and the feathers and the stuff, you know? So um, I feel like that course is really great for just the moment we're in as the body and kind of the increase of glory and how we're seeing things we haven't seen and helping people develop a theological framework for that, I think is important on both sides. People who kind of have a lot of experiences, but can't explain it. And then people who, you know, can't explain it. And so they don't have any experiences, <laughs> you know, so it kind of helps people come into that encounter um, and have their mind also being participating in that, but are participating in that. But um, I have another course, um, Eden Journey, which is kind of going through with the Holy Spirit over 10 weeks, how to kind of go through inner healing and deliverance, like teaching tools for people to really process things for the rest of their life you know, but not needing to go up for like 18 different prayer appointments and just like, all right, let's learn how to converse with the Holy spirit and grow. So um, important. 
ongoing because it's going to be ongoing for the rest of our life to be, Oh, why did I think that? Let me process that with God. Let me, you know, so just teaching tools. And then I have, um, a course I'm doing, or a course I did called new wineskin era. That's another one, just kind of bringing some framework around what is the new wineskin? What's this moment in the church? Um, I did, I'm doing a course now that I have, um, the fifth week next week and it'll be completed, but it's all there. Like you can watch all the replays. Um, and that's a course called the fivefold ministry in a new wine skin paradigm. Very so good. it's thinking about the fivefold, but particularly what does the fivefold ministry look like where we're going hmm. versus how it was released in, you know, what I think is an old wine skin, which is the church paradigm. But how do we see the fivefold ministry and how do we understand it in what I believe is the new wine skin that God is releasing? So and there's there's probably other stuff like I said, YouTube and you can you can catch it all on my website as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So one quick question here, just for clarification. You know, obviously the word church is a term that is um, you know, an English word, it comes from the German, I get it, versus ecclesia or it's, I think Australians say more ecclesia. Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Close in in Latin languages, iglesia. It's much closer, but in English, wow, church, wow, Kirky <laughs> in German. The the idea, guys, here in terms of the church versus the local assembly. I mean, if we stick to the the English term church versus the Greek ecclesia then we're not talking about buildings and gatherings. Mm -hmm. We're talking about people. Um, is that your take on it? Is that what you mean? And, and versus the local assembly, can you just kind of clarify that a bit more? Oh yeah, totally. When I, when I talk about the ecclesia, it is the body of Christ in a region. It, it, okay. It's the called out assembly of God, right? So everyone who is a governing member of the body of Christ, right? Which is the saints. Yeah. Um, these are the people built on the revelation. Jesus is Lord. He's given them his keys to the kingdom, right? We're coming off of, um, you know, Mark, um, when Peter has the revelation, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He says on this revelation, I'll build my ecclesia mm. and the gates of hell will not withstand it is actually what it says in the Greek. And so he's saying that, you know, all of hell will not withstand my people. And so when we say ecclesia, it's the people of God that have the authority of heaven that are called out from the world. Right. So, so that's, that's it. That's the people. But then when we talk about, well, how do we gather as the people of God, the ecclesia of God, how do we gather? How do we function? How do we grow? How do we continue to, to accomplish the mission of God? Then we have to talk about things like assembly and leadership and like discipleship. Do you know what I'm saying? So, so these things are topics within the bigger topic is that we are the ecclesia. Now, what does that mean? Right. Um, and okay. so how we gather, I would say, local assemblies of members of the ecclesia, which would be smaller groups of people where there can naturally be intimacy and long-term growth and discipleship and spiritual formation and, you know, relationship and face-to-face -face circles, not rows, right? Because we need that to grow and to do life. We need community. Right. 
And so that's what I mean when I talk about the local assembly of saints. Um, but then when I'm talking about, you know, apostolic hub, fivefold hub, kingdom center, people have got different names. This is the place of equipping. Um, and I've got more teaching on that too, like throughout my social media strewn everywhere and um, Facebook. I put out a lot on Facebook for the most part. Um, yeah. Is that kind of. Okay. Awesome. Thank you, Rayma. And for those just listening to the podcast, Rayma's website is raymatrainer.com, R-H-E-M-A-T-R-A-Y-N-E-R.com. And you can go there and learn more about the resources and different ways you can connect. I do have a few questions here, Rayma. Um, so let's look at this one here. So here's an interesting uh, question. Really, uh, this person asks two questions. I think they're kind of... Uh, really like one question in the sense it says, should I stay in a church and serve where there is no fivefold? And when do you know it's time to move on? So what would you say about that? You know, and you're talking about a local assembly there and uh, that local church location, whatever term you use, you know, should I stay there when there's no fivefold? Um, for, for me, that's a tricky question because Mm -hmm. I, first of all, we have to be led by the spirit. We're a people who are led by the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so to make a definitive statement into a situation that I'm not actually a participant in is like, I can't, I can't do that. Right. Yeah. That's um, wisdom. Should you remain at that church? That is such a good question for God. <laughs> and because we're a people led by the spirit, he will speak to you and his sheep, hear, you, you know, his sheep hear his voice. So um, that's one thing I would say um, that we don't, make big decisions about our life or whatever without um, that guidance and yeah. the, the, the leadership of, of Jesus in our life. But then I would, on the other hand, um, also say that I, I don't think having fivefold expression is necessarily enough. I think God is bringing us back to a way more full picture of health you know, sure. so it's, it's sometimes we look at outward things like, does that church have this? Does that church have this? It's like we're shopping. Yeah. And I think that that's still, that can, that can be a very like Western idea, even like, well, which church do I like? And it's yeah. like, well, back in the day, that wasn't even like a concept. No. Um, you know, you, where do you live? Okay, cool. Well, you're a part of the Ecclesia at Antioch and whoever's there is there. Work it out. Yeah. So, you know, th it's just a totally different mentality that we've developed as we've begun to really get used to division and get used to, you know, what we call DNA and vision and all this stuff. What really I think God calls division oftentimes, but anyway, that's a whole nother yeah. bigger topic probably. Very good. And it's very true. Great question to ask the Lord. Um, and the other thing is too, we're in a journey right now and God is doing a lot of things to yeah. Um, help those of us who are leaning into him really want his lordship in our lives. So there's going to be revelation imparted and released, and there is going to be a shift in some of the places that have been more conventional that, for example, do not have a fivefold structure or, or those offices. So yeah, you need to really be led by the spirit and making that decision. Um, so very, that's very important. Okay. Second question how do you recommend that fivefold leaders establish and build relationships with other leaders? Um, 
within a region who are not on the same level of understanding the current reformation is taking place? Ooh, good question. Um, honestly, like the, we have a fivefold community, um, couple hundred leaders from, you know, America, primarily United States and Australia would be like our primary places of influence. So, um, honestly, like online has been an incredible way to find other people who are of, you know, who are hungry for the new wineskin, who, you know, want reformation, um, and who are tracking with that at this point, because it's still, we're still forerunners. You know what I mean? Yes. There's, there's like a lot of people who are like leaning in and kind of like, Oh, what are you talking about? Like, but there's, there's still not the majority, you know, who are like, we're doing this. You know, it's like, even among those who are like, yay, fivefold, there's still a distinction even with that and people who are hungry for new wineskin. Yep. Because the new wineskin is not just, we have fivefold leaders in our church. That doesn't necessarily equate new wineskin because the the real distinguishing factor in the new wineskin expression is humility to the Lordship of Christ. And we will change anything in order to be under his Lordship and obedient to what he's doing in the church. Yeah. So good. And that in some cases is going to mean drastic change. Yeah. And so to find people who are hungry for that, first of all, you've got to find humility. Mm-hmm. You've got to find people who are surrendering everything in this season. So communities of people or that can be online. It can be, you know, sometimes found in local churches. There are some people like this that, you know, sometimes we can find um, online communities or I really love to promote hubs. If I know that they're around, you know, I know in America, a few have popped up. Um, we're planting a few. We've got, you know, others who are kind of functioning in that, um, you know, blueprint to some extent. So I feel like God is just, he's shifting the church toward that, but to find others, like, I think the only place you're probably going to find them is online at this point and on mass, <laughs> like in communities that are actually cultivating that. Um, and so we do have a community online called the fivefold circles, um, which also is on my website. If you're interested in that, um, I know Numa, you, you mentioned Glenn Numa also has a fivefold community. Um, I, I just, I find communities are popping up where people can become connected to one another um, in order to just really start building relationship and starting to, um, to honor one another. And what are you doing in the region? What are you doing in the region? And um, beginning to work together a lot more. Yeah. So good, Rima. And, you know, just to um, continue on what you said about you guys have your community, you know, we have technically the kingdom community and then I'm the global development guy at Numa Church here in Melbourne, which we have a community launching. And it's not like, oh, choose this one or that one. No, no. We, our vision is to even connect with you guys. How do we, you know, collaborate? How do we, how do we network? How do we, you know, build community together as well? And obviously to celebrate what you guys are doing as well. So important and champion that really sincerely mean that. And um, so guys, that's very, very important. And when we talk about planting, you know, we talk about church planting, you mentioned the word hubs. We do that. We have, we're, we're planting hubs that are more of these apostolic hubs that are going to impact nations and regions and even continents. Like we are moving forward with that and, We're developing some even now as we speak. But 
we have to have these local expressions, the ecclesia, locations, local churches, local assemblies, whatever term you want to use um, to be able to do that. So one of the questions here, Rama, is what is the difference between establishing a kingdom hub and church planting? So one of the main differences um, from my perspective and the way that we are building, um, the real key difference is that, um, I mean, and church planting is such a broad term. I would have to know what you mean by church planting. And this like this season in general, too, is such a, a season of semantics because different yeah. people mean different things using the same words. And so it's taking a lot of really clear communication to to say what, at least in my case, to say what I actually mean about things, because, um, you know, church planting, for example, I'll take I'll assume that you mean um, a community church, like a local church meets every Sunday, has some connect groups, maybe preach, preaching, you know, worship, connect cards, all, all the stuff. That's what I'll assume you mean by church planting. Um, so what would be the difference between a kingdom hub? So a kingdom hub, first of all, has their, their focus and their eyes toward a region and not toward a certain group of people to shepherd. The kingdom hub does not shepherd. So there is a shepherd, right? There's pastors who are involved in a hub because their eyes are toward the region and they are involved in overseeing the ecclesia that's in that region. Sure. But it's not the same as the idea, okay, we're going to get a building. We're going to gather some saints in there. We're going to be under this name and we're going to shepherd them. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to, you know, do that together. So, and a kingdom hub is the expression of fivefold leadership and not just five, not just like five people who are on a team together, but the expression of fivefold leadership in, in the region. And, you know, it wouldn't be ever be all of them in a region, but you know, a teams like how God, how God is calling us to co-labor together in teams um, and different hubs could have even different um, focuses or different, you know, real emphasis or, you know, it's like God is just expanding even our understanding at the moment of what this can look like, but the hub supports and reinforces and equips that the local ecclesia from any local assembly. Yeah. There's not like a thing, like you have to be a part of X church. It's really like a revolving door. It's not necessarily even meant to build community in the same way because many people, they come in and they go out it's a sending hub. You know, you're, you're bringing people in to train them, to equip them, to give them tools. And then you're sending them back out. Whereas yeah. in a, in a church, right. Usually the goal is retention. You want people to stay. You never want them to leave. And in some cases it's like really unhealthy where you never want them to leave. Right. You leave, you lose your destiny. It's like, who else who heard that when they were young, so, um, <laughs> uh, all the, all the things that we, all the stories we could probably tell from early years in um, mega churches. But, um, you know, so, so yeah, they're, they're quite different, but in some ways, you know, we never lose the corporate expression of gathering mm -hmm. that doesn't go away in the new wine skin. And I think, you know, even some micro church or house church movements, in my opinion, they take it way too far Yeah, and they're like, well, priesthood of the believer, we don't need any leadership. We're right. just, you know, gathering together and serving the community. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. no. That's, no. that is not it. That's also not in the Bible. And right. so, you know, it's like taking an extreme all the way to the other side where then there's no corporate assembly anymore. 
which means that eventually you're just going to fizzle because there's no vision to the region. There's no apostolic understanding of the kingdom. And so you can't just gather with five people and go feed the homeless and say, well, we're a church. No, you're not. Right. No, you're not like you, you, you're believers getting together to, to feed, which is great, which is a beautiful yeah. thing to do, but you right. are not functioning as the ecclesia. Yeah. You yeah. know, very good. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, guys, one of the things that we have to be very careful about here is like, we have, as you said, Rayma, there's um, local expressions, local assemblies, local churches, whatever of all sizes that are unhealthy, that are not. And when I say unhealthy, I don't mean everything's wrong. Please, um, that's not my heart. But I just mean there's some things there, like, as you said, you know, God forbid, but it's happened uh, where, oh, if you leave this house, you know, you, you're you not under the favor and the grace of God anymore. You lose your covering and who knows what's going to happen to you. <laughs> it's a terrible thing. <laughs> and and that's not obviously the way of the Lord. That's not the heart of Jesus. That's not scriptural. Run from that. Get out of those places. It's very toxic. But ultimately, we see that in small churches, not just mega churches. Like we would say that we are a mega church in the sense that, you know, we have thousands of people gathering on the weekend and we have various uh, locations, but we're trying to, by God's grace, be a local hub that has community, that has discipleship, that's equipping, and that's really building those intimate relationships. And when we plant um, churches or what we call locations, uh, we ideally are looking to see in every location the fivefold ministry eventually be raised up. But that doesn't mean to say, you know, it's going to always happen. doesn't mean to say that, you got to be careful. It's got to be God. You can't just appoint people either. But we also have the the um, fivefold interactions. We have a plurality of apostles, of prophets, etc. And so there's that kind of crossover, that that symbiotic relationship always happening. And and we think that's very very healthy because now it's not just apostle such and such, and you know like the lone apostle, the lone prophet, or whatever. No, there's a community. And community is so important. Um, here's one question. This will be the final question. It says, please explain how the fivefold exists to impart to the believer the um, aspects of the fivefold identity and function of Christ who lives inside of the believer already. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, could you just articulate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah good question. Um, so becoming like Christ is the process, right? Of sanctification. <laughs> We're on a journey of becoming mature. Mm. There's many aspects to that journey. You know, go and make disciples. Jesus said, make disciples or disciple nations. So there's a process involved in making something. Every believer, and then this, this also goes into um, something you said earlier, Glenn, which is actually like one of the things that I <clears throat> personally care about um, and talk about often at the moment, because I've seen some teaching creep in that I really think is destructive around, you know, every person is the fivefold. Every right. person is, 
you know, you just have to figure out, are you an apostle? Are you a prophet? Are you evangelist? And this is, this is nonsense. I think it's a way of trying to make Ephesians four make sense in what I would call more of a conservative, maybe, you know, evangelical uh, theological framework, Um, you know, without the power, without the authority, without the kingdom and trying to make the fivefold, like have a place in scripture, you know, well, all of us are sent and all of us, you know, can, can know God's will through the Bible and all of it. And they're trying to like, make it make sense. But in reality, there is an aspect of truth to it. But the problem is when you make that aspect of truth, the primary thing, and it's not the primary thing. So, so the aspect of truth that there is, is that every believer has, let's, I I like to say five cups in front of them. Let's say you've got a, apostolic cup, a prophetic cup, an evangelistic cup, like you've got these five containers and they all need to be filled in order for you to do your assignment with maturity. Okay. And so it doesn't matter what your assignment is, right? And assignment means calling, like it doesn't matter what God has called you to do. If you are mature in these ways, then you are going to function through a kingdom identity, a kingdom reality in the thing that God's called you to do. And so you need that equipping from those offices, from those ministries, so that you would be built up and be mature in your calling. Hmm. And so in a sense, yeah, we all have fivefold, you know, going on in our life. The purpose of the fivefold is to equip us. And yes, we're all in Christ if we're in his lordship. But we don't know how to function like him. That's why we need to be trained and to taught and to be taught and to be made into a disciple of Jesus. And then, you know, as we go, whatever he calls us to do, we're functioning apostolically, prophetically. We're, you know, we're able to shepherd. We're able to teach the scripture. We're a- we understand our doctrine. We, you know what I'm saying? So, so that's yeah. the picture of maturity that we're operating in fivefold grace is what I call it. Yeah, absolutely. Same language we use, fivefold grace. And, and that's really, that's really awesome. Uh, I think that when the scripture talks about how we're like, it's in first Peter five, I believe it talks about serving one another, you know, and it, and it says, do it with the ability that Christ gives, you know, if you speak, do it as if God was speaking, you know, it talks about the oracles of God. And then it talks about the manifold grace of God there. Mm -hmm. And that manifold multifaceted expression that when we receive of the fivefold, it does something to us in terms of Jesus was the fivefold. He was an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. And then his body, as Ephesians 4 says, he has placed those gifts into the body to see, uh, as we've already talked about, maturity of the saints, the unity of the faith, and, and so on, and activation of believers, gifts serving, and so on. And it's very important that we we receive from all. Like if you have a church where people are gathering and the primary um, office and grace that's there is prophetic, for example, and and there's very little of or any other graces, then obviously, you know, the church is going to be asymmetrical in a sense. It's going to be just mm-hmm. focused on that. If you have two or three graces, but the others aren't there, that aren't being imparted, released, um, then yeah, it's not going to have it. And, the thing that we got to be careful about, uh, guys, is today we hear the term teams. Like, oh, 
it's not about the one man show anymore. You know, it's teams, teams. And then we have churches that are building teams and releasing people. They have preaching teams. They have this team. They have that team. And teams are great, but ultimately, that doesn't mean you're going to receive the fullness of Christ because it's not the fivefold necessarily. And and it's very important. And obviously, you need to be functioning in that. You need to be mature, even those who are releasing that grace and so on. So um, just in closing, Raymond, again, would you just tell our audience, our guys, our community here, how they can connect with you? And yeah, any any thoughts on your heart? Any closing comments you'd like to make? No, I mean, I thought that was that was good and good questions. And I thought it was a great conversation. I think people have enough to <laughs> to chew on, on with that. Yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, my website is just my name.com. My Facebook is my name and my Instagram is my name. So easy. So it's <laughs> just first name, last name. Um, Raymatrainer.com. If you're just uh, listening, you know, joining in now, Raymatrainer.com. It's on the screen as well, but awesome. Lots of great stuff. Yeah. Rayma. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah. love your heart. Love, um, you know, the grace on your life, what God's doing in you. It's such an important role you play in this season of reformation. So thank you so much for being my guest on the kingdom community show. Appreciate it. Awesome. Okay. We'll talk to you again. Look forward to seeing you next time you're over here down under. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Bless you. Thanks for joining us today at the kingdom community. We trust that you are encouraged as a result of spending time with us. We exist to connect equip, and send you out into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God. To learn more about the kingdom community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. Again, our website is kingdomcommunity.global. Together, we are better.